talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm the show's producer, Will Erskine. The man of the hour, Ted Michaels, is in the building with Diana Weeks in the newsroom and me right here on the board. This is the last day of class for Teddy, then school's out. Now, here's Scott Thompson. But the applause is for Ted. Good job, Will, man. That's a beautiful song for today. Good afternoon. It is 3.09. It is Hamilton Today. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine on the board. Uh, Ted Michaels, the man of the hour, is uh, hanging around all day. He's just been walking around with cake and uh, in and out of room, saying hi to people, fully masked up, of course, and, and six feet apart, two meters apart. Uh, Diane in the newsroom, did I say that? Uh, unfortunately, if I sound a little off, I'm, I'm a little ill today. But, man, we could not miss this show uh, because it is Ted Michaels' last uh, show on CHML with us. And uh, as of today, he's into semi-retirement. And we'll still be around doing the uh, health and wellness show and such. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so we're going to do a few interviews that are uh, specific around the ted man are you with us ted are you still there what are you doing are you, yes i is am he, I'm here. He, i think he's gone back into the cafeteria for more pizza no there's um you know there's actually no pizza left but there's granddad's cake. donuts oh, is there any gra- oh, thank no, you will will took uh, care of me he took yeah, care of me my they're favorites. in your pockets oh uh, yeah it's a little if messy. you pat ted down right now he has uh he's got donuts in his pockets well you sound awful by the way I just thought I'd i know that thank you here. so much for yeah. saying that thank you so much for just saying that. Say that but thank you for joining I'm, us. I'm all i'm already sweating just trying to get up to this performance level for you anyway ted i so apologize that i could not be there today but i don't think it was right for me to wander into the station considering no. the uh world that we live in uh spewing all over everybody and i understand your family was there today yes, um, and, and uh grandchild and such it uh yeah i i was <laughs> for one of the rare times in my life i was speechless i mean i walked in and this you know the, the the members of the staff that could be there that uh were you know socially distanced and all that but when i saw my family my grand yeah. um, Look at me getting choked up already. I know it's okay. Um, when I saw them, I just I just totally lost it. It just it was such a surprise and uh, such a uh, a tribute today. They uh, gave me a... whoops. I don't know what that was. They uh, they <laughs> it was my pacemaker. Uh, they uh, gave me um, uh, a nice parting gift, but what it was, I feel, I don't know. I didn't know what I expected, like a card or whatever. But uh, they announced today that I am uh, one of the newest, in- the new inductee to the CHML Hall of Fame, which is downstairs in the station. Oh man, that's amazing! I don't deserve it. Oh, oh, get away, get away! You do so. I got shivers up my spine when you said that, and for me, that's that's good because I got feeling in my lower extremities. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's such a big day for you, Ted. What are you What are you thinking about? Is this is uh, you know kind of yeah. what, what, what was it like when you got up this morning? You know what? I uh, I didn't sleep well last night. I got up this morning. I thought, okay, just let me get through it. Because I I knew, I had a feeling something was up today here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't know that they were going to do what they did. And I kind of walked in the building. Okay, take a breath. And whatever happens, happens. <laughs> uh, and then surprise. And then so I, you know, uh, the waterworks have been here all day. Um, and again, truthfully, it's... I now understand when a uh, an athlete says when they retire, you know, yeah. the, the game, whatever, it's the people and yeah. and and the people that I saw today, um, because we've all, of course, been working here. Uh, a lot of people have been working remotely, but there's a few of us that have been working here uh, because we can't do our jobs remotely, um, and we have become so tight, tighter than we normally have, and it's such a team effort. And I was just over overwhelmed today by all the uh, I was thinking that earlier today because you know I'm not part of that bubble that gets to go in uh, but there is a small group of people there I think I was there once over the course of this thing to get a piece of equipment or something but anyway I noticed that and I could tell that you guys that were there and there's got to be only about a half a dozen if that that are still manning the newsroom and such and people like Will the producers Uh, so it it must be pretty it it must be quite a bond with just the few of you floating around that place yeah it is um 
Um, you know, and and it's pretty much like, look, the newsroom uh, people who work in this industry know what it's like. It could be obviously it's very the nerve stressful. Center. It can yeah. be very, you know, we get mad at each other, we curse, we scream, but we always hug it out at the end, and nobody takes it seriously or, or personally, rather. But again, uh, it, given this situation in a pandemic where there's just a, a handful of us. Put it this way, if somebody pulled ego or somebody didn't get along here, it would upset the apple cart big time. Yeah, so yeah. nobody yeah. did that. Yeah. So, it, it, and, you know, the 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 team uh, feeling here, uh, I mean, it's I'm, you it's know, a special place. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not, uh, you know, blowing smoke up people's backsides. It really is the case. So uh, we know you're not fully retiring. No. So because we're starting the show, and if people are hearing this, then they're hearing it for the first time. They're gonna freak out. Yeah. So tell everybody what the future well, what, plans are. What I'm gonna do? Uh, I finish today at five thirty-five. By the way, uh, quick note: uh, my Facebook page will be. We will be doing my final newscast live on my Facebook page at five thirty today. <laughs> a lot of facts. A lot of people are, are doing it just because they want to see if. Oh, you if are I'm break so down. lucky. You are so lucky. I am not in that building today. You yeah. are so lucky. <laughs> I'd be. I'd be behind you making faces and so and, yeah uh, so uh, so so that's the plan uh 5 30 on my facebook page 5 35 um get out of here and then for about three weeks from now till probably january 3rd or 4th uh basically laying as low as i can just you know shutting myself off from everything decompressing yeah spending a lot of time with the family and then we're, we're uh, looking in um a couple of things uh the health and wellness show will be it's kind of on a hiatus now till we kind mm -hmm. of re revamp it so that's coming up um also back doing mac football next year and still working on a special event for mental health that i hope to get uh, finalized and announced in the early part of next year so not going to be here on a daily basis but i'm not going to be far put it that way that's pretty nice nice when you think about it that's just the right amount of ted i'm just kidding uh and if you want to pass along your well wishes to ted send us a note scott thompson at 900 chml.com you can call will as well 905-645-3221 star 9900 on your cell we'll pepper them throughout the show the show is about ted it's all ted all the time including a couple of his uh cool guests that uh have been a big part of his broadcast career and his life well here at chml <laughs> All right, it is the time of the show where, where we focus on a small business in the area, and uh, this one, boy, has its own reputation, Granddad's Donuts. Family-owned shop has been providing old-fashioned donut fritter options uh, with a welcome cup of Java since uh, 2007. Introducing you to Samantha Whips, manager of Granddad's Donuts, 574 James Street North in Hamilton. And with us now, Samantha, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Hi. So, uh, Samantha, uh, what is the secret behind Granddad's Donuts? Obviously, uh, Teddy's favorite. We had some in the house just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, these aren't your Granddad's Donuts, to be honest, or maybe they are. Uh, these are not the average donut. Can you explain? Uh, well, what makes us so great is we all make our donuts all by hand in the kitchen, the way that uh, they used to do kind of in the 70s and the 80s, sort of the old Tim Horton style. So they're all... Mm -hmm cut by hand, proofed and deep fried, which is the most important part. Uh, and they're just the old classics, really. So they, they are kind of, I guess, the your granddad's donuts. Uh, my granddad used to bake, and my uh, my dad, who's now a granddad, used to bake, and my mom. So, so yeah. How did you How did you decide to get into this and, and take it into a business? Um, back back in two, the early 2000s, my parents... Um, they met baking at Tim Hortons, uh, but they had gone on to do some telecom type sort of things. But they had uh, sold their business and did a bit of retiring and were thinking, oh, man, like I would kill for an, an old donut like we used to make. And down by the, uh, the donut shop there, uh, a location popped up and my parents had been down at the marina. So they just figured, why not go for it? We miss those donuts. Everybody else seems to miss those donuts. And it's been uh, a hit ever since. So they he they actually retired and then decided to get back into it. Yeah. And was it the need to do something else or just the craving to get those donuts back? From what I remember, I was I was only like eleven or so at the time. Uh, it was just the craving of the donut. They just missed yeah. the good donut, and they figured we know how to do it. Let's just do it. Are you surprised at the response that how oh. these places have just taken off lately? Oh my God, the last few years especially has been insane. I never would have thought they're like we've won awards for being like the the food of Hamilton. We've won 
uh, like the Spectators People Choice Awards. We really are um, like a staple, and it's really nice to feel. Do the parents say, see, I knew it would work? <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes. They, my dad says. My mom was a little more skeptical. My dad knew from the get-go it would be a good, uh, a good shot. So how has it been with you getting through a global pandemic? How has that altered the business? Man, with comfort food and stuff, I can see this stuff um, flying out the door. Thankfully, we were considered essential, which was nice, because um, we are just a donut shop, right? Um, but because we were able to stay open, even serving one or two people at a time, we were able to stay stay relatively busy. We did curbside. We did everything we possibly could um, just to try to keep open because it's like a small little luxury that we could have when you couldn't do anything else so. what's that what is it what does it start like what is a day like at the donut shop when does it so start it starts at about nine o'clock the night before hmm. um that's when our baker comes in he starts prepping for the evening shift um and then by about one in the morning is when we start a uh, deep frying donuts and so it's a pretty early process and I, I'm just looking at the featured donut, the Cherry Loop. Oh, my goodness. That is just unbelievable right there. Uh, give, give, uh, give us an idea of some of the big movers at, uh, so at uh, Granddad's. So the most popular one uh, by far, especially right now, is a Walnut Crunch. Mm. Uh, we, could, we could probably sell only Walnut Crunch and still do all right. But um, after that, it would be our Apple Fritter, the Orange Twist, uh, the Ghostbuster, which is a donut dipped in chocolate and filled with whipped cream. That's one of our most popular as well. And website, if you want to find out more, granddads.ca, granddads.ca. They're located at 574 James Street North. Samantha Whips with us, manager of Granddad's Donuts. you got to check these out. If you haven't, uh, check out the website, granddads.ca. Samantha, thanks so much for the time. Be well. We're all hungry now. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. It is 327. Sorry? Congratulations to Ted on his retirement. Thanks so much. We'll pass that along to him. And by the way, he's enjoying a box of those that have been stowed away somewhere where only he can find them in the newsroom right now. I can guarantee you that. If it's happening now, we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Uh, Good afternoon. It is Hamilton Today. I'm Scott Thompson. It's 349. Will Erskine on the board. Ted Michaels and Diana Weeks in the newsroom. Feel free to jump into the fun. Send us a note. Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. You want to send us a well wish for Ted. Even uh, want to record something with Will nine zero five six four five three two two one. Start nine nine hundred on your cell. We'll love you. Uh, we'll let you give your well wishes uh, to the big old guy. Also, uh, coming up, 4 o'clock this afternoon, uh, the Premier's News Conference, which was originally scheduled for 3.30, has now been bumped back to 4 o'clock. We're going to take that live. Obviously, been a while since we've done anything like this, but considering where we are uh, with the new variant and such, uh, obviously uh, something that we have to do. That being said, as much of the rest as we can make it, it's going to be about the Ted Man. And today, uh, celebrating Ted Michael's final show here with us, but he's not retiring. It's sort of a semi-retirement. He will continue with his health and wellness show also with mcmaster football which is great to see let's introduce you to miles gorell canadian football hall of famer former hamilton tie cat and ted michaels color analyst for mcmaster football and with us now miles thank you for the time i hope you're well hey, hey listen it's all great you know the gray cup went almost perfectly and, you know, as long as we still get to listen to the dulcet tones of Ted Michaels on the radio speaking about health and wellness and the McMaster Marauders, we'll all be fine. There you go. Well said, Miles. Well said. Since you brought it up, your take on the Grey Cup and, and what you saw and your thoughts after we've all digested it. A uh, couple of question marks with regards to, you know, certain situations. But I'm not the head coach. They don't pay me to be that. So I was a fan, and I really enjoyed it going into overtime. What else could you ask for in the great land of the CFL? Great show by Mr. Young and his uh, minions at uh, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I just think it was awesome. You know, the, the people of Canada saw what the CFL is all about, watching a game like that. Beautiful weather provided by uh, – the great uh, spirit, you know, in the sky. Right. We got uh, we got great weather, uh, and uh, we were treated to a very good football game. And uh, unfortunately for Hamiltonians, we came out on the bottom end. And uh, it's uh, but still it was good football. And hey, I know there's a lot of CFL fans out there that had a good time watching it. 
And we get to do it all again in 2023 with another Grey Cup. So what the heck? It's going to be a nice couple of years. All right, let's talk about working side-by-side with Ted and, and McMaster football and what that experience has been like for you because we've all worked with Ted for many, many years uh, and the little idiosyncrasies and, and his mannerisms and such. What are your thoughts about working with Ted side-by-side doing football? Uh, I absolutely enjoy it. I don't want to work with anybody else. He's a, he's a uh, a giant of a man. He loves McMaster Marauders. Mm-hmm. He's a hometown hero. You know, he loves his Hamiltonian, everything to do with it. You know, he gets upset with anything that anybody says bad about it. And the only thing I can say bad about Ted Michaels is he cheers for another city. And I don't know why he cheers for Chicago all the time. I just don't understand. Nicely you know, done, like... Gorel. Nicely done. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you, you want to address what? that, Ted? Uh, no. Uh, the other city, Miles. I never root for the Chicago Bears. I root for the Green Bay no. Packers. Did I say Bears? <laughs> no, <laughs> no you're I didn't not. say Black. I just said he cheers for another city. Nice. You know the, the the fact that Chicago is mentioned every one of our radio broadcasts. Um, it just makes me laugh because, you know, you're passionate. You're lucky that I, that on those road trips in the van that I don't put on a Chicago CD and say nobody touches because we have an unwritten rule that we sometimes break. Those that drive the van get to pick the music. So well, going listen, forward. Listen, you don't have any cassettes. You only have cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any CDs. You got cassettes. No, but what like, about eight tracks? That I got two. <laughs> he's got a, he's got eight tracks. He just doesn't have the player anymore than his <laughs> The player jammed with one of the tapes. So, uh, Miles, elaborate on that. What's it like uh, on a road trip with Ted? It's awesome. He likes coffee. He likes donuts. (laughs) He could be a policeman. But, you know, it's fun. We talk football or we talk, uh, you know, classic rock music. And, you know, Chicago's part of that group. And Chicago wasn't a bad band. And uh, But you know what? Oh, wait a sec right there, Miles. Wait a sec right there. You said, you know, uh, that Chicago wasn't a bad band. Okay, but that doesn't sound like a growing, a glowing recommendation. There must have been some tension in that van. Oh, no. It's, it's like, it's not my cup of tea. But then, hey, um, you know, not everybody can have, you know, that's why, you know, uh, Baskin Robbins made 53 flavors. You know, so, and, uh, you know, where else would you get, get Jerry Garcia, you know, ice cream? So I, uh, I, I love it. I mean, anybody that's passionate about a certain thing and is able to talk about it and knowledgeable about it, as Ted is, as he's as knowledgeable about the Marauders and about what's happening in Hamilton, yeah. that takes precedent over anything else. I don't have to like them to be a fan of, of what Ted likes. So that being said, what are you putting in uh, the player when it's your turn to drive? Oh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm eclectic at the best of times. And, you know, I'm going to put in Rolling Stones when I want to speed it up a little bit. And, you know, I'll put in a little Willie Nelson when I'm feeling nostalgic. You know, I'm a, I'm a multifaceted uh, mu- music lover. And uh, I got so much musical talent, I can turn the radio on. <laughs> Other than that, I can't do anything. You know, I couldn't tell you one note from another. And you were the like guy that, that you you were the guy that kept insisting that "Moves Like Jagger" was a great song. You kept singing it to me when it came out. You know, all those years ago. <laughs> I, I could move like Jagger <laughs> if I fell out of the van. Yeah, yeah. I could roll along. I could roll like a Rolling Stone. Is about the only time I could. Oh man! So what about uh, Miles? What about Ted's man, uh, uh, meticulous preparation? Like you said, the weirdest thing. Like, you know, the, the original name of Tiny Tim, the original name of Chubby Checker, the original whatever, whatever, whatever. He seems to have a, a knack for that. Is it the same with McMaster football? Absolutely. He he knows the families. He sits there before the game and waves to all the parents in the stands. Hmm. All you know, there's you know, there's only so many people that come to a game, but they all know who Ted Michaels is and they all wave. Ted's got more friends than anybody else. He is so well-liked by the families of, of McMaster that, you know, it, it is an honest-to-goodness great feeling to be walking around with Ted when the moms and dads of the players all know who Ted Michaels is and they enjoy his broadcast and they like listening to him on CHML radio and they enjoy it and they know they actually know him. It's not somebody that they just go and pass and Ted stops to talk to everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Miles Gorell has been with us, Canadian Football Hall of Famer and former Hamilton Tie Cat, and Ted Michaels, co-analyst, sorry, color analyst for McMaster Football, and that will continue beyond today. Miles, thank you so much for sharing the memories of Ted. Very much appreciated. Be well. Congratulations to Go Ted after a great career. Yep. Keep up the good work. Yep. And see you. Ya. Know what? We'll see you in the future. See you next Take year, Miles. Guys. See you. Love you, brother. Uh, we're going to uh, bump back the uh, the roundtable just a bit. You'll hear it in the, uh, coming up shortly. But I uh, wanted to bring Dr. Ahmad Khalid in, health policy expert, and kind of sum up what has uh, we've just completed the news conference uh, with Premier Doug Ford and, of course, uh, Dr. Moore and Health Minister uh, Elliott. Basically, what they have said is 18-plus, uh, now eligible for a booster as of next Monday, uh, three months after your first uh, 50% capacity limits on large sport venues and entertainment venues um, scaling up the uh, the shots per day and they're saying they can hit somewhere between 200 and 300,000 uh, if uh, possible 127,000 shots yesterday uh, there will be more mass vaccination clinics coming back up into the uh, online and workplaces getting into uh, individual workplaces and such uh, as well pop-up testing more testing coming as well including malls transit hubs and even the lcbo your chance to pick that up let's bring in dr Maud kelly health policy expert he's with us now doctor thank you for the time as always i hope you're doing well same to you scott thanks for having me again so your thoughts on uh your thoughts on where we are and what the uh, news conference revealed today your uh, where, where's your head at now well, I think that the news conference didn't say anything that we didn't know or anticipate was going to happen. That the provincial government was going to put measures in place to really try to uh, control the escalating numbers of COVID, uh, of Omicron variant. We know that the numbers are quite alarming, Scott. And when we see the projections of what that would look like in the future, they're going to be quite high. So I think what the province is doing right now is, to, is using tools it's used before in the past that we know are effective. That includes vaccination, increasing the third dose, uh, eligibility and making sure that we're able to ramp up that uh, number of people who are vaccinated. And two is to reinforce the idea of a public health intervention, safe hand hygiene, social distancing and physical distancing as well. Boy, if we were getting lax at all, this is another blast of reality, isn't it, doctor? It is absolutely. It's a, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, unfortunate. I know people are really tired. Everybody's experienced pandemic fatigue. We all keep thinking that this pandemic is over. I, I empathize and I relate to everybody out there hearing us uh, tonight that, you know, you're not alone. I will. I mean, that's the key message here is that whatever you're feeling, everybody else is feeling and not just here in Canada, but across the world. Today, there were very disturbing news from the UK that they had 76,000 cases in one day. Um, so imagine uh, the difference between another country and us. And so, you know, the, you know, just to say to everybody that, you know, speak to somebody if you need to and, and, and make sure that you are seeking the support to help you get through this turbulent times that we're going through. When we first started talking about this new variant a couple of weeks ago, uh, medical opinions, especially out of South Africa, suggesting it wasn't quite as severe as others. But again, as we've seen, the transmissibility is it seems to be going through the roof on this. What, what, have you, what, what do you have to say on that issue uh, of it being more transmittable, uh, but yet not as dangerous now with what we know? The message has always been consistent when it comes to Omicron. We've always said that it is highly transmissible, but it's unclear the, the health outcomes that happen because of the virus. So we knew from day one that, you know, when Omicron takes a hold in a community, it's going to spread like fire. And we're seeing it. This is not a surprise to anybody. We've anticipated it. We've been talking about it. None of us really know the impact it has on health of, double, of people who are double vaccinated. Uh, we know that it has very bad effects on people who are unvaccinated, just like the original coronavirus. But on people who are vaccinated, we're still waiting on the data. We're still waiting on the evidence to see the impact it has. You know, it also plays out differently for us, Scott, here in Canada, because we're a national healthcare system. We're a public healthcare system that relies very much on, you know, being able to not have a big strain in the system to accommodate for it. So any increase in case numbers that can lead to increasing the number of patients in our hospitals puts a strain on our system and our healthcare workers who are really burnt out at this point. Uh, I was surprised when, I guess not surprised, but relieved when last week they announced that 50-plus could now uh, uh, register for their vaccination. I was I got in pretty quick. I'm in next week, so that's that's great. Now it's down to 18-plus. What are your thoughts? And I guess that's for those uh, that have, it's been three months since their last shot. My thought is we're using every tool, every crayon in the crayon box to get ahead of this because 
the data looks like it is suggesting to us that we're going to have like very high numbers of cases. Uh, and people want to get back to normal life. And so if we have the science and we have the tools, then we need to employ them. I think the big issue that the province was trying to figure out and perhaps why, this is speculation, why they didn't do this earlier, is because they were trying to figure out how do we re- ramp up the supply. Like we have the, the enough vaccines, but how do we make sure that we're able to distribute it again? Because, you know, we reduced the number of vaccination centers after the second dose. We don't have the same capacity we had at the height of the pandemic last summer. Uh, last summer, actually, we were doing almost 200 vaccines, 200,000 vaccines a day. And this is the numbers they indicated today. And they, they got that probably that number from what they were able to do last year. So we need mm-hmm. to rebuild that. We need to be able to like make sure that everybody who's eligible to get the vaccine is able to go get the vaccine in, in real time and in, in as short time as possible. Uh, also, reduction uh, capacity limits to sporting, large sporting venues and entertainment venues of over a 1,000 or more, uh, 50% capacity. Uh, some are asking, should that be in the restaurant and hospitality business? Should things change there? If you want to base this on the science, the answer will be yes. You know, reducing capacity people, that means you're reducing the physical distance between one person to another. The evidence is clear on that, but that does help in reducing the number of case counts. However, it's a lot, when it comes to making that kind of decision, a lot more goes into it. There are multiple factors that goes into decision making. One is evidence, others is experience and tacit knowledge that the decision makers like Premier Ford and others in the government have to make. And one of those is the effect it has on the economy and the small businesses that rely solely on the money that comes from restaurants. It's not as easy as to say, you know, we not, must reduce capacities in restaurants. There are many factors that plays into it. And I think it's a matter of a decision that decision makers have to make based on the best available information they have at the time. Uh, your, uh, we've also heard uh, news from the federal government saying international travel not recommended at this point. Your thoughts on anyone who's talking or thinking about traveling over the holidays? Obviously, the holidays are, are fast approaching. Your thoughts on travel? Well, I'll tell you something personal that I've never shared before. I was supposed to travel over the holidays to be with my family uh, in the Middle East, and I've canceled mm-hmm. my trip. Uh, mm-hmm. That rule doesn't apply for everybody. I made that decision because I realized that, you know, there are we, the future is unknown. And so I empathize with everybody out there who's paid a lot of money to make travel abroad and is unclear about the regulations. And we're hearing that from Canadians across the country who are saying we spend a lot of money into planning those holidays and we're not sure whether what's going to happen. Are we going to be allowed back in the country? What does that look abroad? Uh, you know, it's going to be individual based. My advice to everybody out there who's contemplating their options, check it to have your insurance. Uh, that you bought this on a credit card that has good insurance, weigh out your options and make the best decision that suits you and your family at this time. Uh, what about holiday plans in general, Doctor? Uh, obviously, people are gearing up. Uh, we, we know what's happened last year and in past holidays. How do you compare last to previous? Or sorry, the, well, the current to, pre- to previous? Well, what I know now is that we've known that, you know, face masks, social distancing and hand hygiene do work and they're effective. And so what I'm trying to say here, Scott, is that I'm not one to say that you shouldn't see your families over the holidays. On the contrary, I recognize from the evidence that there is a huge toll on mental health of people and that family connection is exceptionally important in getting people to feel like they're still alive and they can, you know, have a feeling of normal life. So my suggestion would be exercise your own level of caution. So instead of having to a Christmas dinner, possibly with all the cousins and aunties and uncles, maybe limit it to immediate family at this time, just so that you're extra safe. That doesn't, that makes the, that, you know, that doesn't stop you from being with family. It just makes you feel like you're, you're more in control of the current situation. And I heard uh, one uh, person say, here we go again, and then a doctor corrected them and said, no, it's not here we go again because we're in a much different place than we were this time last year. We are in a different place than last year. We know what works and doesn't work. Last year, you know, on your show, we've talked a lot about the emerging evidence that kept changing. Now the evidence is very conclusive. It's very clear that face masks, social distancing work, and that if you're double vaccinated, you have a much higher protection against the COVID-19. It's not clear about the Omicron variant yet, but for the most part, we know that, you know, the other interventions do work. So, you know, those things protect us and help us help us to see ways that we can manage or mitigate the effects of the pandemic. Dr. Ahmad Khalid with us, health policy expert who had to cancel his own holiday plans uh, over the season. Doctor, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Same to you. Thanks. Take holidays. Nothing matters more than getting these third shots into arms. To that effect, we're urgently expanding eligibility. 
as of Monday, everyone 18 years of old and older will be eligible to get their booster shot three months after their second dose. Bumping back the roundtable uh, to a little later on in this hour, just due to the news conference that ended uh, just, uh, I guess, around 4.30ish, a little after that, and talking about some uh, new guidelines set out by the Ontario government, including 18-plus will be eligible for a booster as of Monday, those that are uh, three months after their first dose, 50% capacity limits on large sporting venues and entertainment complexes as well and more testing more vaccination as we try to ramp this up let's bring in jonathan dushoff professor of biology mcmaster university studying the spread of infectious diseases including covid19 and as part of a report from the science and health leaders informing ontario's covid19 response uh with uh, new emergent evidence jonathan is with us now jonathan thank you for the time i hope you're well i am thank you when this uh, new variant first emerged, uh, many were hoping that it would not be as severe as uh, what Delta is, but they stressed right from the beginning the real concern here was the ability for it to spread so quickly. Are you surprised at how quick it is seemed to spread? Uh, yes, I've been repeatedly surprised by Omicron and, and how effective it is at spreading. Why is that? What's different between this uh, variant and the last? Well, we still don't really know yet. Um, Most people suspect that it's mostly about its ability to reinfect people who are vaccinated or have been infected before. But we're actively um, crunching the evidence on that right now. So we know that Omicron has an advantage over Delta. And we know that part of it is that it's looking at a wider susceptible pool, but we don't know how much of it and how much of it might just be that it's fundamentally more transmissible. When do you think we will know more about that? And some of those questions will be answered. And and obviously, Jonathan, we're finding out more and more every single day. But I remember when this came out, they thought, you know, within 14 days, we'll know a lot more. Uh, Is it going to take a bit more time, obviously? Things are happening very fast. Um, One of the biggest obstacles, unfortunately, is still two years into COVID, uh, the different data coordination problems of different health care bodies of different provinces and different countries. You know, healthcare data needs to be handled carefully, confidentially. Confidentiality concerns are very important. Um, The concerns of people who do the hard work of looking at genomes and curating data are important, but at some point we need to figure out how to solve these problems and put the vaccination data and the medical history data and the current infection data together and we could learn things more quickly. That's what I to know a lot more within a couple of weeks. Do we need to change our mindset moving forward? A lot of people are a little disappointed that we are where we are. But again, um, we're not back to square one. We've certainly made tremendous progress, including in our vaccinations uh, uh, here in the province and such, and, and more and more on the way for boosters. But do we need to change our mindset from eliminating this to, yeah, he's got to learn to live with it? Well, certainly, yes. I I mean, at some point it might be time to, think about whether COVID-19 could eventually be eliminated. Um, Now is not that time. It seems pretty likely um, that living with it could be, what's the word, might not be a game changer in the long run. When COVID-19 came in first, everybody on the planet, including old people, are completely susceptible. As it circulates more and more, there's going to be less and less of this complete susceptibility, and it's going to look more and more like something like influenza, which is actually quite a large public health problem, but it's not a game-changing public health problem the way new COVID was, or even may look more like some of the other things that just cause colds. If you get it the first time as a child, and if it's not spreading in the population in this insanely active way that it can do now, um, it might be well become something that we not only live with, but that in the long term isn't even that much of a game changer. That's a hope. Advice for those who may feel frustration right now, fatigue. Uh, Join the club. (laughs) (laughs) For those people, I might be doing better myself. Um, I guess the answer is, is don't jump the gun, right? We are 
going to keep adjusting to COVID. It's not going to keep dominating society um, like the way it is now. You're not going to have to keep hearing people like me on the radio. Um, but we don't know what the time frame is, whether it's a year or whether it's five years. Pay attention. Do what you can for your mental health. But don't be in a hurry to just switch from all on to all off. We should be changing gradually. Are we learning more about epidemiology as a society as a result of this? Is this helping? It's helping us. Um, I wouldn't be the expert on whether it's helping society. I mean, I've, we have learned things about how to work together and how to communicate, and we certainly have a big agenda of how to prepare better um, and be more ready for the next pandemic. Um, Jonathan Dushoff with us. Got to cut you off there. Sorry, Jonathan, we're out of time. Professor of biology, McMaster University, studying the spread of infectious diseases, including COVID-19. Jonathan, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for the time and insight. Be well. Thank you for the opportunity and be well yourself. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Christmas lights warming the cockles of your heart. As you hunker down. Uh, good afternoon. It is 510. It is Hamilton Today. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine. Thanks. I don't need any more heat, man. Uh, Phil Erskine. Uh, Phil Erskine. <laughs> I've changed your name to Phil, Will. Uh, Will Erskine is on the board, uh, trying a lot to mess me up. Uh, I'm a little under the weather today, so please uh, bear with me. That being said, I would not miss uh, Ted's last broadcast. Uh, and feel free to jump into the conversation or send Ted a note. Uh, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. The phone lines are always open, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. And when you think of Ted, you can think of, especially for us around the radio station and the newsroom, uh, the Green Bay Packers, the Philadelphia Flyers, Mac football, CFL football, when he hosted the fifth quarter, his health and wellness show, uh, and everything he's contributed to the ongoing uh, uh, issue of mental health. The big Chicago concert, I think that's one of my best memories working with Ted uh, when we did that uh, up at Carmen's. Uh, Burlington Food Relief, the honor he received from the province. And uh, we're trying really hard to get a statue erected of Ted, but we're not sure if that's going to happen or not. All right. Uh, we, we didn't get to the roundtable today because there's too much other stuff going on. I, I don't know why Ted wants to retire because there's just so much stuff going on. Uh, you know, there, there's lots to talk about. We could continue this forever. But I want to bring in Diana Weeks and Lisa Pileski, uh, two of the younger people who are in the CHML uh, newsroom and work shoulder to shoulder with Ted uh, every day. Thanks so much, uh, Diana and Lisa, for joining us. I hope you're doing well yeah yep. thanks so i want once again together girls yeah. <laughs> uh i want to talk about your experience because uh, you know my goodness i've known ted for an awful long time and, and been I, although I, I haven't worked in the newsroom with him I've, certain, I've certainly been in and out of that room many times uh while he's doing his thing and i i, I want you to uh give me your your best memory of ted and working in the newsroom and what comes to mind uh, when, in fact, uh, you know, Ted finally uh, walks out the door later today. And we'll start with you, Diana. What's what's your best memory of Ted Michaels? Probably when I first met Ted, um, and that was uh, when he interviewed me on his health and wellness show before I was even working here. Mm. Um, yeah, about my own mental health struggles. So I felt like I really had a bond with him on that level when it came to, uh, you know, reducing the stigma of mental illness and, and stuff and all the work that he did. So I felt like we were really on the same page there. And I really, you know, grew to respect Ted for the things that he's done, uh, you know, in the mental health field and mental health journalism. Um, you know, he's he's really a beacon in, in that regard. And then I actually met Ted a second time again, like a little bit late, because I didn't really, you know, hang out with him too much that day. I met him at one of his events that he was doing um, down at the First Ontario Concert Hall, which was a benefit concert that had Motown music. We all know that yep, Ted, yep, Ted loves yep. that. So I went and covered it for uh, CHCH News, which I was reporting for at the time. And it was actually, I don't know if anyone knows this, but uh, Ted and I were talking over coffee while we were waiting for, you know, some of the acts to show up. And 
Ted had mentioned, you know, there's a job opening that's going to be coming up at CHML. Wow. And I said, uh, oh, really? Uh, Okay, I'll take a look. And I wasn't looking actively for a job at that time. I just kind of looked it up and thought, you know, maybe I should do this. And and so it was Ted that alerted me to it and said, here, you know, you know, maybe just talk to talk to Jeff Jeff story. So I did. And and that's how it went. So. The rest is history, as they say. Yeah. What about you, Lee? So, what do you think about when you think of Ted? And as a young reporter, what have you learned from working with this guy? Well, I mean, I started off kind of part time. I was a board op, um, kind of, you know, on the other side of the glass. So, for the longest time, I was just really listening to him on the on the uh, on the air and being like. Wow, uh, maybe I can be in that position someday, and <laughs> maybe. And he 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 would talk to me whenever I would actually get to go out and do reporting stories. He would always tell me like, you, you know, you do a really good job, and and you you would fit in well here if you ever get the chance to be hired full time. And thankfully, I did get that chance, and then I get to work alongside these legends in the broadcasting industry, and I'm just like, wow. Mm. So I mean. I have fun, especially since Ted and I are the Polish people in the newsroom. So yes, the, that's the, right. I never thought of that. Yeah, so I call him my Polish pal. So. Ah, that's great. I know. Yeah, we're going to miss seeing him for sure. So what are you going to miss? Because he's a little bit of a curmudgeon in the newsroom. Let's be honest. It's Ted. What are you going to miss? Oh, I mean, we're going to miss his booming laugh. I think that's one of my favorite things is you can always hear him laughing in the hallway and um, his, his, him saying, you'll rue the day, which is yes. one of our favorite catchphrases of his. It looks like he's about to get on mic. He's he's, get, he's getting set up in the studio with Diana here. So, Well, guess what's about to happen? Uh, we're going to do a tee up here and um, then Ted Michaels is going to do his last newscast. Go yeah. ahead, Ted. I don't have the script in front of me because I'm in a different studio, so I have no idea what's coming up at 5.15 or uh, 5.15. <laughs> Because I don't I, have it in front of me. I actually wrote some up for you. Thank you. Go ahead, Lisa. What does Ted have coming up at five thirty? Yeah, what's Ted? What am I working about? on? So this is what Ted's going to say in his last newscast. We're going to learn about moving up booster shots for adult Ontarians. You know, uh, finding a man who destroyed a TV in a fit of rage yep. after the Grey Cup game, oh, man. and a warning for Canadians looking to travel internationally over the holidays. Well, Ted will have all those stories and more coming up. Yes, I will. In his final newscast <laughs> at five thirty. And we can't wait. Yeah. Uh, also, Thank you can you, watch Lisa. it on your Facebook page. Is that right, Ted? Your my, last one? Yes, my the Ted Michaels Facebook page. We're having uh, Scott. Right. We uh, uh, Will wants to be the best boy. We've uh, assigned the key grip and the gaffer as well. <laughs> Uh, so I thank you. Uh, so Will's Will's beside himself because that's what that that's what he wants to do. So. All right, sounds good. So All listen right. to the last one coming up at five uh, five thirty, and go to Ted Michael's Facebook page. Uh, you can watch him do the last one. Ted, uh, our hearts are with you. Uh, we'll be listening in just a sec. It is five sixteen. Uh, news coming up at the bottom of the hour. All right. Uh, the federal government released its first fiscal update yesterday. Has it changed things? Does it mean anything? Does it make the last election any more relevant? Let's bring in Jean-Viev Tellier, professor, School of Political Studies, University of Ottawa, and with us now. Hello, Jean-Viev. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, first question, why now? Why, why would they do this yesterday? Um, were, were we expecting it? Did we know it was coming? It was long due, I would say, because normally we table such an update in November. Mm. That has become a ritual, and it is precisely an update, meaning that uh, in the mid of, this, of the year, we would like to know how are the finances of the government, and so uh, are we on the right track or not, and uh, all those kind of information. So that's pretty much standard to have that kind of information release. Now, because Parliament was not uh, back to work in November, it was pushed again uh, a bit in December, and so personally, I find it somewhat late. Um, and and one part of it, part of the explanation is because we had an election and so everything was postponed. But uh, I would have much preferred to have it uh, a year, uh, a month before, which is normally what we do uh, every year. Uh, most thought that there might be more time after this uh, last election in order to get to this. Is this due to pandemic, uh, the pandemic situation, or just that the, it seems to be changing so quickly? 
Uh, yes, uh, I think it's due partly to the pandemic, but at the same time, I cannot. Uh, I, I also think that the government uh, is kind of cautious, doesn't really know what to do. Uh, we have waited a lot before Parliament resumed, went back to work. Um, and as you said in your introduction, uh, we kind of question why we went into an election. And so this is all part of the scenario, I would say, in the sense that uh, it, it has been published somewhat late. There's not a lot of stuff or substance into that document either. And uh, as for the pandemic, uh, with all the uncertainty that we have currently, it's not very clear where the government is going. So what we've learned is that Broadly speaking, we are on the right track from an economic point of view. Uh, there is also money for the pandemic. That's okay. I'm not sure this will be enough considering what we are seeing today, uh, yesterday with the new variant. Um, but yes, there are a lot of uncertainty. So that may be one explanation. But at the same time, I think that the government is trying to read exactly what is the message that was sent with the election, an election that probably no one wanted and that we don't really see the the, the use. And so we kind of see it. We saw it in the speech of the Strong a month ago, and now we kind of see it also in the update. Many have questioned uh, prior to the, the the mini budget or economic update that came out. Uh, many questioned new directives from the government, uh, Christia Freeland, to uh, the Bank of Canada, and foci- focusing, telling it to focus more on uh, political issues such as perhaps housing or such, and less about inflation, fiscal policy. Your thoughts on this? I did notice that also. Um, it was not the first time she said that uh, the Trudeau government in 2019 had already told us, uh, sent us a message, and at the time uh, the government was saying, uh, is it the role of the Bank of the Canada just to stick to the inflation um, uh, target? And so they were kind of questioning that and asking, could we do things differently? Personally, I'm not sure it's a it's a good initiative or it's a wise initiative to broaden that. Um, it has been 30 years, 30 years now that the Bank of Canada has managed well inflation. Um, we know what to expect with inflation until maybe this year, and so we know the commitment of the Bank of Canada to 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 uh, control the inflation rate. So we know it's between one and three percent, and it has been quite successful into that. Now, if you enter other consideration into the picture. This means that probably inflation will no longer be your priority, and this brings more uncertainty. So um, I would like to know more about that. Uh, I have heard the state hear the statement of the Bank of Canada this week saying we are still committed on our target between around 2%. Um, but will do we see other things? That's kind of a question mark. And if so, of what kind? What exactly the Bank of Canada wants to do? And considering that the Bank of Canada cannot do everything, so what will be the new priority? So I, I'm still in the expectation phase, uh, wanting, to know, wanting to know more about that. Is this designed to take attention away from rising inflation? Why Why would you do this? Because you're kind of pushing debt on to future ge- uh, generations. So why would you do this? Um, yes, maybe. Uh, it's also trying to... Uh, I think the, go- the, the Trudeau government has a new economic vision, uh, trying to have a much uh, active role uh, from the state, uh, more spending, that's for sure, since 2015, that's, that's obvious, this government spends, and, and believe that by doing so, it will stimulate the economy. Uh, it's not totally uh, wrong. Uh, we did not see, uh, we do see that uh, the economy has increased, but at the same time, there are other issues. And so, yes, the current issue is inflation. And, you know, frankly, the, what we see currently with inflation, there's not a lot of solution that the government could decide now. Uh, the, the problem with inflation is the problem of supply. There's not enough good to provide to, to, to consumers, mm. to the market. And because of that, we see prices increasing. Now, can the government do something and produce more good? The answer is no. So what do you do? You try to help businesses. So you need uh, to provide grants to more money. But that also may create inflation. So I think that currently government, and not just the Canadian government, but most government around the planet, are scratching their heads thinking, okay, what do we do now? Do we have a problem? What's the best solution? And probably, yes, they're kind of um, trying to have some time before uh, uh, saying what will be the, the, the new course of action. 
Jean-Vivre Tellier with us, Professor of School of Political Studies, University of Ottawa. Jean-Vivre, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. You too. Thanks for the invitation. It is 528. Ted Michaels, last newscast on the way. 900 CHML. It's 5.30. Good afternoon. I'm Todd Michaels. May get some drizzle tonight. Temperature near 10. Right now, it is 9 degrees. Ontario expanding COVID-19 vaccine booster eligibility to all adults, provided it's been three months since they got their second dose. Residents 18 and over will be able to book their vaccine starting Monday, and the Premier said the new push will require all hands on deck. We're urgently setting back up mass vac sites and hospital clinics. More and more pharmacies are coming online every single day. Now the province has announced starting at midnight it's capping capacity at 50% for indoor venues with capacity greater than 1,000 people. That includes sports facilities, theaters, and concert facilities. The federal government is now advising against any non-essential travel outside Canada. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos made the announcement this afternoon citing concerns about Omicron. The rapid spread of the Omicron variant on a global scale makes us fear the worst for Canadians that may think of traveling. Duclos also said arrival testing capacity will be expanded and more details are coming soon. Hamilton Public Health is recommending enhanced health and safety measures for local schools to reduce the spread of COVID-19 and the Omicron variant. The very latest from CHML's Ken Mann. Effective immediately, Medical Officer of Health Dr. Elizabeth Richardson suggests resuming validation of daily screening if possible. Dr. Richardson says that's one of several recommendations. We are recommending cancellation of in-person staff meetings, social gatherings, holiday events, and for all elementary age students to stay in their respective cohorts at recess. Hamilton's COVID-19 case numbers continue to rise as the highly transmittable Omicron variant takes hold. There are 93 new cases in the city with the seven-day daily average up to 56. Hospitalizations are up slightly to 29, seven of those patients in local ICUs. Schools, meantime, are the setting for most of Hamilton's 28 active outbreaks. Ken Mann, 900 CHML News. One of Hamilton's most popular sports bars is asking the public for help in identifying a man who it says destroyed a flat-screen television Sunday night after the Tiger Cats' Grey Cup loss to Winnipeg. In a video posted to the End Zone Bar and Grill social media channels, two men who appeared to be dressed in Tiger Cats' gear entered the foyer of the bar. One of them punches the flat-screen. The statement implies the pair was not happy with the outcome of the game. And they took it out on the poor television. Surveillance video can be found at 900CHML.com. If you need to fill up or top the tank, head to a Pioneer gas station today. Territory manager Michael Stevens tells Good Morning Hamilton the company is donating three cents from every liter of gas you buy today to the CHML Christmas Tree of Hope in support of the Children's Fund. It's quite simple. You just come into the stations, you fill up today, three cents is donated. If you need to get your fuel anyways, we're just trying to keep it as simple as possible. There's 41 Pioneer stations participating in the Golden Horseshoe from Hamilton and Burlington to St. Catharines over to Brantford. The goal this year is to raise $30,000. And a final note, I have just completed my last newscast. I'm now heading into the world of semi-retirement. Working in my hometown at a station where local means everything was an incredible honor. To the team here at 875 Main Street West, you people are truly incredible. To those that have reached out recently... Your words truly mean a lot. Thank you. I'm Tad Michaels. News Next 6 coming up. Weather and traffic on Global News Radio 900 CHML. This is an email. I wanted to send Ted off today and I was able to go to the station and see the crew like you. I wouldn't miss it. The last six years knowing Ted has been such a positive experience. Uh, he's so full of life and I can always count on a hallway discussion about him talking about his family. His health and wellness show was an honor to work with him over the years and hearing how many people have been impacted by the show. Lots of love, respect from us all. That's Krista Taft, the sales manager here at uh, our group of stations, Chorus Radio, Hamilton, including CHML. So the uh, the tributes are coming in fast and furious. If you want to send yours before he's out of here, send us a note, Scott Thompson, at 900CHML.com. I will make sure it is forwarded uh, to him before his uh, email is shut off. I'm just kidding. All right, uh, we've been uh, we've been gracing the show with uh, not only news conferences about pandemics, but also uh, those who know Ted and some great stories about Ted and. 
and and what he has meant to various people, whether it's uh, listeners, whether it's those that are on staff here at the radio station, or those in various businesses and and organizations throughout uh, the great city of Hamilton. So let's bring in Ron Foxcroft, Canadian businessman, Fox 40 World, creator of the Fox 40 Whistle, 40 Ways of the Fox is the new book, CEO of Fluke Transport, and we'll leave it at that. Ron Foxcroft with us now. Ron, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Oh, I'm well, especially on Ted's final day of him going into semi-retirement. And Scott, you know, uh, I've known Ted since he's been in high school. And of course, when he when he took broadcasting at Mohawk College, I know some of his classmates and they confessed to me, that's how long I've known Ted, that Ted would do very well in radio. Uh, they knew it because he had a face for radio. <laughs> kind, kind of like you and me, Scott. There you go, yep. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I want to tribute Ted, but um, also since knowing him since Mohawk College, I have a lot of smut on Ted as well. So let's hear it. You know, we can't we can't have him go out the door without putting a little smut on Ted. But Ted, you know, he's done so much. He loves the Green Bay Packers. He loves the Flyers. He loves Mac football. Now one little thing about that, and Miles Garrell will confess to this, on the drive home from a Mac football game, Ted loves coffee, but yep. he's got the uh Short arms and long pockets. He's never, <laughs> ever bought a coffee for anybody, anywhere. He met Diana Weeks, and, and, and they talked about the opportunities at CHML, and they had a coffee. I know on the airwaves of your show that he never bought that coffee. And he's never bought a coffee. But, um, you know, I, I do want to tell you a, a little prank. Uh, he loves the Green Bay Packers, and there was yeah. this one game where I had tickets. My son got to referee the Green Bay Packers and Philadelphia Eagles at Lambeau Field. Ted knew I had tickets. Now, really and truly, what he didn't know, I was going to take Paul Johnson, who's a equally, <laughs> equally big Green Bay Packers. In fact, I was on a Zoom call with Paul last night, and he had the Green Bay Packers helmet in the over his shoulder, which Ted would love. Anyway, Ted knew I had tickets, called me every day for 30 days. His daughter told me to tell his dad, Ted, her dad, to suck eggs, that I didn't <laughs> have tickets. And Ted knew I had tickets, but for 30 days I said I didn't because his lovely daughter had bought him tickets for that oh. particular game. And they were going to give him the tickets on his birthday, which is November 4th, which he just had. He, I think he just, yep. his daughter told me he just had his 85th birthday on, <laughs> on november 5th on november 4th anyway this went on for 30 days and he's just he's sweating knowing i got tickets and finally his daughter confessed told him he had she had the tickets he went to the game but you know what scott ted is a giant he's a giant of a hamilton person he is a beacon and a couple of things uh in Burlington, when we had the flood, flood relief in yep, 2014, yep. 3,500 displaced families, Ted volunteered to be the director of communication for that project. So we raised, uh, I think, $3 million to get people back into their homes. And it was monumental. I'll never forget it. His concert for health yeah. and wellness and mental yep. health. Chicago. Scotty, what do you say about that? Also, and nobody's mentioned this, all the work he's done with the Round the Bay to raise yeah. enormous amounts of money for St. Well, had the team at CHML, had the team at CHML for many, many years and, and ran it and runs it all the time. And yes, Scott, and I can tell you that the people at St. Joe's are forever grateful. Ted is a giant and I'm I'm going to make sure that everybody calls him. I'm going to confess too. Running the fifth quarter, Rick Zamperin, I'll tell you, yeah. after a Tiger Cat loss is very difficult. Yes. He, he would confess. always come in and tell us about how bad it was after a Tiger Cat loss. Oh, well, what, what I didn't tell him, the late Brian Mullen, Chief Brian Mullen and I would yeah. set up callers to call Ted and rip him no. in. Yeah. I've never confessed oh. that. Ted, I confess, Chief and I had some people call in just to make you squirm. 
So I had no idea you've known this man since high school. Absolutely, absolutely, and at Mohawk College, and all of his friends and classmates at Mohawk College. How did you know him back then? Well, because he was at Mohawk College, he was at high school playing sports, and of course I was refereeing basketball in high school, Mm -hmm. and everybody, you know, Ted was a, a man about town. Everybody knew Ted because of the laugh and because of some of the things that he would say and 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 he would say you're going to rule that and and so <laughs> on everyone knew ted in hamilton if if anybody was anybody they knew ted so yeah i've i've known him in particular from mohawk college days but like you uh and, and you know and i think we chatted not too long ago and you said we're all invited to your retirement party it's 30 years from now uh, like you, he's not retiring. He's just semi-retirement. He's going to continue to do uh, McMaster Marauder football and obviously the health and wellness show. Absolutely. And he does an amazing job at Mac football. He loves Mac football, does a terrific job. We talk after every game. Him and Miles Garrell are, are terrific. They're joined at the hip. Yeah. And um, what he does with the health and wellness and so on, once Ted believes in something he dives in full bore 100 percent and and we are really really seriously now we are really gonna miss him and we're so grateful you know everybody knows ted he's out there in the community he loves his community he loves the people he loves the people at chml and your listeners that is for sure uh, what stands out about his character about the personality that is ted what what's the first thing you think about especially when you think of broadcasting a dedication and enthusiasm yeah. dedication and enthusiasm you know he got behind that concert you know he loves chicago yeah. and for the longest time he kept talking about chicago and i thought it was he was talking about the city <laughs> that's and what miles I, said yeah yeah, and and it was about the band, and then he explained that. But I would say Ted's passion, his attention yeah. to detail, his dedication, his booming laugh, and uh, his sense of humor, and the fact that everybody that comes into contact with Ted comes away loving him. Well said, Ron Foxcroft with us, creator of the Fox 40 Whistle, author of 40 Ways of the Fox, CEO of Fluke Transport, uh, talking about Ted Michaels, who just finished his last newscast here on CHML, but is not fully retired. We'll continue with McMaster Marauder Football and the Health and Wellness Show. Ron, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. And congratulations, Ted. I hope everybody calls you at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning to wish you a happy semi-retirement. <laughs> Perfect. Ted's last day, and it's really turned into uh, quite a homecoming. And uh, people like sending us notes and and I'm forwarding them all to Ted and calling in and such, including uh, Jen Watson, former uh, CHML news anchor and worked alongside with uh, Ted for many years in the newsroom. Jen, it's so great to hear from you. I hope you're doing well. Hey, Scott. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah, sorry to mean to barge in on your uh, show, no. but I thought, we were, I thought we were calling in, telling Ted stories, and then I hear he's already left the building. He couldn't get out of there fast <sighs> enough. Well, you know, I have a feeling he recorded all the newscasts and really has been drinking heavily all day, but I well, digress. Well, you know, so, I was going to say, his last cast was flawless. I was in the car listening. Mm. Not one not one boot, nothing. He was He was right <laughs> on. So tell us about your experience, what it was like riding shotgun with Ted. Oh, well, Ted, you know, we, I always joke that I was like, we're, he was my work husband. I was his work wife. I mean, we definitely had tons of fun in the newsroom, inappropriate banter as, you know, as you can imagine. Mm. But, um, no, we had fun. I mean, we definitely, there were some tense moments as, you know, things can happen. Things can get heated, but no, Ted was always, uh, like as you're fighting over the temperature, like as you're fighting over the temperature of the newsroom, which everybody, I remember you guys used to always get so bad at him because he would always like turn it way down. He liked it cool. He liked his news cold. My hands were freezing. I felt like I had to wear gloves (laughs) sitting in that newsroom. It was ridiculous. So yeah, we definitely, and then he actually even had his own personal fan. It was like, he's sitting right on top of it. It was, it was ridiculous. But I mean, you know, he, uh, definitely, um, I mean, I've known Ted. What did you learn from him, I was interning back before I even started working at ML. And I remember saying to Ted, how are you like, 
how do you do a newscast without making any mistakes? I was just floored yeah. by how, you know, he could just, you know, but then I started working with him and then I'm like, oh, okay, I see. Now, then you get to hear the boots here and there, but hey, that happens to the best of us, right? <laughs> what did you learn from him, Jen? What did you learn from him in the newsroom? Well, Ted definitely had has good news sense. Um, and, you know, when they, when he was able to break in with a breaking news story, he was always really good at ad-libbing. That's one thing that Man. I could never do. So if, you know, we're following the story all day and you know the story, you know the details, but he could go in, break in, or go off script and give the details, and I I could never do that. I'm like Ron Burgundy. I have to read what's in front of me <laughs> on the teleprompter. So that, I was always very much in awe of him being able to do that and very concisely and, and very well. So, Jen, thanks for calling in. Much appreciated. Say hi to Jay. Jay McQueen, obviously, uh, the two of these two have been married forever, have a beautiful family, and we played a clip of uh, Jay and uh, Ted earlier on, so thank him for that. Oh, yeah, no problem. I know I've got some bloopers in there, too, but I, I, I was too slow to, to pull it up. But <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> thanks so much, email. Jen. All Be right, well. take care. All right, let's bring in Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show and columnist with your Hamilton Spectator. He's coming up after the news at 6 o'clock. Scott, I hope you're well. Any thoughts about Ted on his last day? You know, all these people calling in and saying such lovely things about Ted. Like, this guy, if Les Nesman and Earl Camembert had a love child, that's Ted Michaels right there. <laughs> oh, my. So you're getting to the truth behind the man. It's his last day. We pay tribute. Yes, I sat beside Ted in the Iverwind press box for years and years. And, um, you know, it, he's a lovely man. Um, not as lovely as you hear him on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but I'll tell you one funny story about Ted. So years ago, um, I, I had decided to sort of loosely take up jogging. And everyone knows Ted's a runner, mm-hmm. or has been for a yeah. long time, and was very involved in the around the day race. And so one day I decided, one time I decided I was going to do just a 5K, the baby around the Bay Race, because that's, you know, that's as much running as I yep. was interested in. And I'm, I got somehow, anyone who's ever seen the start of this thing, like yeah, one person great. at the front could start two minutes before the people at the back of the start line. So yeah. somehow, Ted, because he's, you know, muckety-muck Ted Michaels. He, he gets always right gets at the, at the very front. Yes. I'm way at the back. I'm in Argentina compared to where we are here. Yeah, yeah. No, he so, always starts at the very front of the race. And I'm thinking to myself, the whole race, I cannot let Ted beat me. I cannot let Ted beat me. So the whole race, <laughs> all I'm looking for is where is Ted? So now we're coming up Bay Street towards Cops Coliseum, then Cops Coliseum, and I see Ted like 300 yards ahead of me. But he's got a pacer. He's got Paul Schnur, the Olympic 5,000-meter yeah. runner, pacing him. So I start sprinting. Well, Ted's wearing this spandex that is not <laughs> what Ted should be wearing, quite frankly. But anyway, I just about make myself puke to catch him because there's no way I'm going to let him beat me. And as I run by him, already to have a heart attack, I was so close to smacking his butt as we went by. I didn't do it. But here's the thing. Later, I hadn't realized he'd been being paced by Paula Schnur. And yeah. I look at her score, her time, on the scoring afterwards, and I'm like, I beat an Olympic 5,000-meter runner. I must be way better than I think I am. And I saw her years later, not years, months later, and I said, Paula, um, were you injured? She goes, no, I was pacing Ted. I've had more people tell me how slow I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, but you did beat him? I did beat him. There was no chance, Ted. Now, he didn't see me coming. I mean, he might have picked up his low yeah. to a mid-stride gallop. I don't know, but I, I, there was no way he was beating me. I would have never heard the end of it. Oh, man. Another great memory of Ted Michaels. Scott Radley's been with us. Scott Radley show coming up next right after the news, and you can read him in your Hamilton Spectator. Scott, as always, thanks for the time. Have a great show tonight. No problem. Thank you to Ted and Diana and Will for the show today, and thank you for listening. Uh, for the last word, if you don't mind, I'd like to step up on top of the CHML soapbox and just like to say uh, for my friend Ted that uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You have been an absolute mentor and professional to all of us, and we will never forget your laugh, your mood, your quirkiness, and the fact that you are the DJ of the newsroom. So, Ted, to you, all the best in your semi-retirement and don't stop being Ted. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.